In short, the great European documentary editions were, for all their undeniable value to scholars, munitions in a world war of documents, as the German military historian Bernhard Schwertfeger remarked in a critical study of 1929. The memoirs of statesmen, commanders and other key decision-makers, though indispensable to anyone trying to understand what happened on the road to war, are no less problematic. Some are frustratingly reticent on questions of burning interest. To name just three examples, the Reflections on the World War published in 1919 by German Chancellor Theobald von Bethmann-Holwig have virtually nothing to say on the subject of his actions or those of his colleagues during the July crisis of 1914. Russian Foreign Minister Sergei Sazonov's political memoirs are breezy, pompous, intermittently mendacious and totally uninformative about his role in key events. French President Raymond Poincaré's ten-volume memoir of his years in power is propagandist rather than revelatory. There are striking discrepancies between his recollections of events during the crisis and the contemporary jottings in his unpublished diary. The amiable memoirs of British Foreign Secretary Sir Edward Grey are sketchy on the delicate question of the commitments he had made to the Entente powers before August 1914 and the role these played in his handling of the crisis. When the American historian Bernadotte Everly Schmidt of the University of Chicago travelled to Europe in the late 1920s with letters of introduction to interview former politicians who had played a role in these events, he was struck by the apparent total immunity of his interlocutors to self-doubt. The one exception was Gray, who spontaneously remarked that he had made a tactical error in seeking to negotiate with Vienna through Berlin during the July crisis. But the misjudgment alluded to was of subordinate importance and the comment reflected a specifically English style of Mandarin self-deprecation rather than a genuine concession of responsibility. There were problems with memory, too. Schmidt tracked down Peter Bach, the former Russian Minister of Finance, now a London banker. In 1914, Bach had participated in meetings at which decisions of momentous importance were made. Yet, when Schmidt met him, Bach insisted that he had little recollection of events from that era. Fortunately, the former minister's own contemporary notes are more informative. When the researcher Luciano Magrini travelled to Belgrade in the autumn of 1937 to interview every surviving figure with a known link to the Sarajevo conspiracy, he found that there were some witnesses who attested to matters of which they could have no knowledge, others who remained dumb or gave a false account of what they know, and others again who added adornments to their statements or were mainly interested in self-justification. There are, moreover, still significant gaps in our knowledge. Many important exchanges between key actors were verbal and are not recorded. They can be reconstructed only from indirect evidence or later testimony. The Serbian organizations linked with the assassination at Sarajevo were extremely secretive and left virtually no paper trail. Dragatun Dimitrichetev, head of Serbian military intelligence, a key figure in the plot to assassinate Archduke Franz Ferdinand at Sarajevo, regularly burned his papers. So, more unusually, did Dimitrichetev's enemy, Nikola Pasic, the Serbian prime minister. Much remains unknown about the precise content of the earliest discussions between Vienna and Berlin on what should be done in response to the assassinations at Sarajevo. 
The minutes of the summit meetings that took place between French and Russian political leaderships in St. Petersburg on the 20 to 23rd of June, documents of potentially enormous importance to understanding the last phase of the crisis, have never been found. The Russian protocols were probably simply lost. The French team, entrusted with editing the document Diplomatique Française, failed to find the French version. The Bolsheviks did publish many key diplomatic documents in an effort to discredit the imperialist machinations of the great powers. But these appeared at irregular intervals in no particular order and were generally focused on specific issues, such as Russian designs on the Bosphorus. Some documents, the exact number is still unknown, were lost in transit during the chaos of the Civil War, and the Soviet Union never produced a systematically compiled documentary record to rival the British, French, German, and Austrian source editions. The published record on the Russian side remains, to this day, far from complete.